going to the cross and so we last week we, we talked about the vine, we talked about the branches, we talked about bearing fruit, that's the purpose of being in the vine, and, and the Word is what cleans us, and Jesus commanded everybody to, uh, His disciples, to abide in Him, uh, because you can't bear fruit without Christ. What are some ways that we try to bear fruit without Christ? Good works. Good works. We try to do it ourselves, huh? Church attendance. That was, yeah. Huh? Witnessing. Okay. Now, all those things, are they bad things? They're, not, they're, not, they're what we're supposed to be doing. How do we do them without abiding in Christ? And how do we do them as we are abiding in Christ? It says, unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. That's what he said. So, if you're, so, if you're helping somebody out, Really not doing anything. That's true. That's scriptural. We can point to passages and say that if you do something just to uh, get a pat on the back, get a pat, get honor, glory, or rewarded for it, we can we can say that for sure. What gives you the? I think that kind of hits the nail on the head in a couple different ways because we do. We talked about loving one another. We'll see that here in a second. In in this chapter. That's what he calls us to do over and over again here. Um, but the reason that we love one another is not because we want to get something from one another. And that tends to be the way that we love. Now, we can discuss this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the time, if you think about it, the only people we love are people that we get something from. Now, with your wife, whatever, I'm not talking about, ooh, they're going to give me some money, I get a house, whatever. But they reciprocate the love. They, reci- you know, they reciprocate, the, they give you joy being with them. They give you pleasure to be around them. You know, that kind of thing. I'm not saying that I only love people who can pay my light bill. I'm saying I only love people who are enjoyable for me to love. Does that make sense? I, I think that a lot of times... <laughs> I'm thinking about unconditional love, and it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. Y'all, please correct me. I think it exists for real. I don't think that it's possible for people. Really, I mean, if you think about think about your kids. Like, if Jacob went out and did something horrible, I'd still love him. He's still my son. I can't, you know. So, we got that. But a lot of times we stop right there. Think about it this way. What if Jacob come home every day and was belligerent and cussed me out and just did everything he could do just to, you know, after about two or three years of that, you know, I think that could wear wear out his welcome. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Uh, still be my son. Still like, oh, I wish he would do better. But you you got to get out of here. Get out of here and get away from me. Don't you know? Huh? I don't know. I'm, I'm perfect, so I haven't done anything. <laughs> I'm just saying that unconditional love is done. I don't think that it's something that we're capable of doing in our own flesh, in our own strength. I think it's hard to love. Well, I find it really hard to love someone who's just overly offensive. You don't know I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm purposefully offensive a lot of times just to see how much people love me. <laughs> that, that's how I justify it, yeah. Say that again, no Bruce, what were you saying? I think the hardest thing I come across is trying to trying to give that love to people who, who Yeah. When they wrong you, when you think they wrong you, that's when it's really hard to love. Oh, it's hard for me too. And uh, I'll just be candid with you. I was a little blunt in early service, but uh, I think it's sinful on my part, so I'm not saying anything. I, I think it's wrong, and it's something I struggle with, but a lot of people offend me. Um, just because I think, just because the place that God's put me, you know, I end up having to eat a lot of crow. I end up having to do a lot of stuff that I sinfully don't want to do. And people don't reciprocate that. Does that make sense? Like, for instance, with the youth group, we'll take the youth group because none of y'all are youth and I won't have to explain myself. <laughs> When I, when I spend years, when I spend years investing myself into a young person, you know, just not that I'm so great or whatever, but, you know, that's what I'm called to do. When you spend years, you know, investing yourself as a teacher or as a doctor or whatever, you know, when you, you do it, when I, when I spend years doing this and just uh, sacrificing my time, sacrificing my family, not sacrificing them, but time with them, you know, I hadn't really sacrificed. Okay, never mind. Um, but you, you understand what I'm saying. I mean, a lot of Saturdays, a lot of Friday nights, a lot of, a lot of times, you know, Sunday afternoon when everybody else gets to go home and, and you know, go take a nap. I'm, I got 25 kids and we, we go and we destroy Dana's house and she has to clean it. And, you know, it's just, it's just all these things when I, when, I, when I do this and I'm already telling you on the front end that this is wrong of me. It's sinful. So I'm not saying I'm just so great because... This is the epitome of what Jesus was talking about. Loving people that don't love you back. This is what I'm supposed to do. And it's something I have a hard time with. And when I do, when I do just invest myself for years with, with people's kids, and then all of a sudden that one day they wake up and say, Hey, I, wanna, I don't want to hang out with you no more. <laughs> and I'm like, well, well, okay, Mom, Dad, are you going to? Well, she don't want to hang out with you, so I guess we're just going to let her. And I'm like, well, what have I been doing for these three years? What have I been doing all this time? What you know? And like I said, that is that's that is the perfect example of what Jesus said. I am not supposed to do. I'm not supposed. I'm not supposed to love people just so I can feel like I've been rewarded when they do well. I'm not supposed to love people just. So, you know, I'm not supposed to be that way. But I also struggle with that. You know, I also struggle with that. And you can see it in, I've seen it in Brother Eddie's life. I'll switch over to him. You know, I've seen him go, you know, he sat at bedsides for weeks with people that are dying and their family just all of a sudden, the sudden you know, just decided, we're not going to go to church anymore. I'm tired. You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. Or I've seen him, there was some lady that ran him down. I've seen him, ran him down on Facebook and just all, all over town. And then 
called him and said, can you come and help me move my stuff from here to there? And he was like, yep. I'm like, you are insane. I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd burn a house down before I'd go help. Good to like keep in score, keep in record. I mean, if you're like doing stuff basically like keeping a tally and you've had a, I've done this for this person, this, 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 you're like keeping a record. Absolutely. And it's not right. Oh, no, it's nothing right about it. But I mean, it's not just like you could. I mean, People do, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's when Jesus said in this text in verse 12 and in verse 17, he said, this is my commandment that you love one another. And so the whole thing is is kind of framed by that commandment up here and then down here. And so the whole thing boils down to in a nutshell is that you to love Christ is to love what Christ loves. And Christ loves his bride. He loves her enough to to die for. And not only did he love his bride, but he loved them knowing that they would deny him, knowing that they would scatter when it came time for them to stand for him. They would scatter knowing that uh, one of them was a betrayer and knowing that that uh, at the time of his death, they would all the only people that stood there. On his side were the women, you know, like Mary and Mary Magdalene. They were, they, were, they were all weeping and all the disciples were nowhere to be found. I think John was standing there, too. So, um, What was your question? And keeping tally. She was just yeah, no, no. I, there's no doubt. That's, that's sinful. It's wrong. It's not what we're supposed to do. But that's what our flesh wants to do. And it's, you have to, we have to fight not to do that. Especially if you're somebody as loving and giving as Valerie. You know, yeah. <laughs> as you get older, that's it's easier. We it's, forget that tally gets lost. Really? As you get older? That's because you lose your memory. Oh, it's because you can't remember <laughs> what you've done, what you haven't done? Yeah. So okay. I just tell them every day that I'm a delight. I'm always I'm a delight. But <laughs> I'll remember that when I get y'all's age. <laughs> oh, no, no, okay. All right, let's read. It says, we, we talked about abiding in the vine. We talked about bearing fruit and all those last week. Um, let's start in verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. We talked about that last week, about the continuing in his love. Um It says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. How does keeping commandments keep me in Christ's love? Is that like a works? If you don't do, I'm going to drop kick you out of the kingdom of heaven. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. What would you go say? So it's just kind of our rule book, you know. It gives us some guidelines. Yes. It kind of gives us a path. And the reason that we obey is not as... I want to say duty, but I don't want nobody to giggle. <laughs> Too late. We don't obey just because it is... Uh, oh, I gotta follow this. If I want to make it to the end of this thing, I gotta follow these commands and keep these rules. No, we obey. We obey because we love Him. And if we, 
Huh? Yeah. It's a byproduct of loving. When you think about, put all the sinful, uh, selfish desires aside for just a second. All the things that cloud our love. When you love somebody, when you truly love somebody, you want that person to be happy. You want to give for that person. You want to just see them Enjoy, you know, you you don't like you're not kicking. If you, I'm just using this example. You, if you love your wife or your husband, you're not just going. Oh, it's time for me to buy her some jewelry or something. I mean, maybe sometimes you're doing that, but you want to be, you want them to be happy. So when you love Jesus, you you want to please Him. It's not a matter of. Well, I'm a Christian, so I got to keep these commandments. You have a new heart that desires to please Him, and you remain in that love when you keep His commandments. I don't think it's a if you if you don't keep this commandment, I'm going to kick you out of my kingdom, and you're not going to be saved anymore. And the reason I think that is because the example that He uses is of Himself and the Father. He says. Uh, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So, unless you're willing to say that Jesus was at risk of losing His divinity if He failed to keep the Father's commandments, you have to have to balance those two statements. The same way that we abide in His love by keeping those commandments is the way that He abides in the Father's love by keeping His commandments. Make sense? So it's not about... It's not about losing your salvation if you don't keep commandments or, or, or something like that. It's about abiding in fellowship with Christ. Does that make sense? We talked about that earlier. In the, the first thing that goes, when you disobey, first thing that goes is your joy and your zeal and your happiness and your peace. Uh, it's first thing out the window. And so that's why David said, you know, return to me the joy of my salvation. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, the first thing that goes, it, it, I mean, that's just a given. When you, that, that's part of conviction. It's when you disobey the Holy Spirit, when you disobey the commands of God, when you uh, disobey. And I'm not just talking about don't murder, don't steal, don't do. In this passage, verse 12 and 17, the command, he says, I want you to obey my commands. I want you to obey my commands. I want you to obey my commands. And he said, this is my command that you love one another. And verse 17, this is my command that you that you love one another. And so when we when we fail to love his bride, and it doesn't have to be here at Christ Church. I'm not saying this is his bride and everybody else out there, you know, wherever, wherever it is, you move to Oklahoma, they're going to have people there that's Christ's bride. You move to wherever, wherever, local, whatever local fellowship that you find yourself in, that's the place where you invest yourself. That's the place where you love one another. And he says, if you don't obey my commands, the first thing that goes is our fellowship with one another. Um, that makes sense when you it's not I'm not saying you're not a Christian no more. I'm not saying all that kind of stuff. But when God takes his hand off you for discipline to to, to mold you back into where you're supposed to be, he doesn't he doesn't have to discipline you by letting a roof cave in on your head or getting you sick or giving you a car wreck or something like that. More often than not, he'll just remove that joy, that zeal. And this morning we talked about, I mean, think about, think about, do 
you can see it. I talked to the youth the other night about you can see it when, you know what, why is it that I don't desire to pray like I used to? Why is it that I don't desire to read God's Word? Or I'm not zealous for the things of God like I used to be. Why am I, you know, that's not, an effect, that's not an effect of maturity. You should be getting more and more as you mature and grow in Christ. But the more we distance ourselves from God's people and fellowship with God as He fellowships with His people, the more and more we're going we're gonna to see that zeal for God, that love, that, that peace, that joy, that just thrill of of. Of serving God, we're going to see that disappear more and more and more and more. And if we keep pulling back, if we keep pulling back away from it, thinking our joy lies somewhere else, um, eventually we'll get to the point where you, you probably need to just question whether you're a Christian at all. That's what he says in, in the first part of chapter 15. He said, you know, the branches that are, you know, not producing fruit, the, they're cut down and thrown into the fire. You know, and so they, they look like branches. They were hanging on the vine. And for all intents and purposes, they look like they belong there. But no fruit. They just sitting there withering on the vine. They, they cut off and throw them into the fire. Does that make sense? Any questions? Well, I, it's not a question, but I think that we put way too much effort in giving people power over our emotions our, and how we feel about ourselves and how we treat other people other than letting God govern our emotions. You know, you said in first service, you know, it's not the emotional who we love, it's who he is. And and by in following his command, you know, you're not necessarily giving power to someone else to govern your emotions, what your your joy and how you feel about everything, you know, how you worship, how you feel about yourself, how you treat other people will come naturally because God has put that within you. Right, but what I I agree. We get our joy. We don't get our joy from other people. So I, I agree. Um, what I hold to on this passage is when I talk about the joy aspect of it is when Jesus said, you know, these things I tell you, verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. And the very next verse says, this is my commandment that you love one another uh, as I have loved you. So. There's a reason why it's not that if I fail to, if I say, you know what, I don't like Jimmy and I just, I ain't going to hang out with him. I know he's part of the class, he's part of the fellowship, but you know, I'm just, I've had it and I don't care. He's wronged me and I, whatever. If my joy disappears, I'm just using an example, I really like Jimmy. If my joy disappears, I can't just say... I can't really say it's Jimmy's fault and I'm letting him control my joy. You know what I mean? My joy is gone because I have just openly disobeyed a command of God. You see what I mean? But I'm talking about how people treat you. Now, you just said that, you know, you, you made that decision that you don't you not know, have anything to do with, you know. Right. But what I mean is, like, let's say Jimmy is cruel to you and you let, instead of you, you know, following the commandment of, you know. And loving him like, anyway. Right. You you let how he treated you reflect on how you are. You let him control your emotions. Oh uh, yeah. You I want retaliation. Exactly. Rather yeah. Okay. No, I'm with you there. <laughs> I want to retaliate on all kind of people. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. And that that in itself 
is sinful, and I don't think that we, Absolutely. I don't think that we we see that. I think that you know we go into our own self pity party of well, who's hitting <clears throat> me first, you know? Yeah. And we, and we justify yeah. it that way. That's really, I mean, that's bred into you from a child. I mean, how many people? How many people hurt? Well, they hit you, hit you, hit it back. Oh, well, kids yeah. do that now. I'll right. I'll send them a tractor if they hit me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to love them while you do it, aren't you? Yeah, I'll love, I'll love them afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're right. And it's not just bred into us. We're born with it. Yeah. I mean, that's our sinful, if you get me, I'm going to get you back. You know, I don't get bad. I get even. But, that, but that's what I'm getting at is, you know, it's it's real easy. Like, you you know, you first said that, you know, if you make the decision, well, then, yeah, you, you automatically, you, if you have the Lord in you, you automatically feel the conviction of, well, I made the decision crap. But when someone else makes you feel that way, yeah, you know, that's where a lot of God's fruits and really where you can step up, in a way to put it, and show how much God is in you. And the fact that even though they potentially made you feel that way, you in return still love them fully. Yeah. Man, that's hard to do. Yeah, it is. You got to have Christ to do it. That's why it says, without me, you can do nothing. Because mm-hmm. I have, I can think of times when somebody has wronged me where I've just made the decision. I'm just going to forgive them and love them and move on and just forget it. And then I'll walk around the corner, I'll see him, and I'm like, ooh, that's just... <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a continual struggle. It's not like a, oh, I just let that go. Well, here it comes back again, you know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta let it go again, and then you gotta let it go again, and you gotta let it go again, you gotta do it over and over and over again. And that's why uh, you need the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, because in and of myself, I promise you, I couldn't let it go at all. I couldn't let it go at all. And what I find harder is if someone hurts me, I'm like, well, whatever. I'll go bridge it over. But where I find I get the angriest if someone hurts him. You know, he's the one that it's water on my ducks back to him. And I'm like, I'm plotting their murder in my head. You know? <laughs> okay, well, I'll cut that out of the tape. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like that. <laughs> you don't want that on record. You see, but you see what I mean. You know, because I love him the way that I do, he's able to let it go. And where I'm like, you don't hurt him like that. Yeah. You see what I mean? And the reality is that if we love Christ like that, we won't. We will love His people like that. Does that make sense? Like. That's a good way to put it. To love, to love someone is to love what they love. You may not love what they, you know, like if you, no, I can't do that either because maybe I'm just not a very loving person. What? But like, yeah, no, can you, can you imagine? But if you love Christ, you cannot not love what he loves. You cannot, if Christ's love is centered upon his people, his church, the people he died for, the people who've accepted his sacrifice, uh, the people that, you know, are called by his name or united with him. uh, If he loves them with all his heart enough to take on the form of a servant and die for them, uh, you can't really. And. And think about this way. You can say, I I hear what you're saying, but this person over here has wronged me and you don't understand. 
You and I were enemies of Christ. We were, we were, the Bible says our hearts were hatred, enmity toward God. We were absolute enemies and in that state. It wasn't like, forget this idea of salvation as I'm, I'm splashing around in the ocean going, help me, help me, help me, and Jesus comes and throws me a rope. No, the real deal of salvation was I'm swimming around in the ocean not realizing I'm drowning. Jesus says, come unto me and I'll help you. And I say, shut up. I don't want nothing to do with you. And then he comes and saves me out of the water. So the reality is you and I were enemies of, of Christ and yet he came and loved us and died for us. So of course, as we grow in our you know, we're still growing in patience and kindness. We're still dealing with sin. We're still becoming more and more like Christ. Uh, Dana is growing at a different rate that I'm growing. So I'm probably going to offend her, you know, because I'm not at her level yet. You know what I mean? That's probably not a great way to put it. But I'm not. God is still dealing with me on something that she's already gotten over. See what I mean? And so I should be able to take that into account. That, you know what, God is still working on, on her and God still loves her. And the bottom line, the bottom line is God's still working on Did I say you? Did I say me? I'm getting my, mixing my metaphors. That's perfect. I'm not really getting it because we, we, we just said we, we've been on that for a long time where he's in a different place for all that, you know, in our spiritual walk. And, you know, I can do something and he'll go, why in the world would you do that? And I'm going to go, oh. <laughs> you know, and I, and I, I think God's still working on me. Yeah. Well, and we got to make room, well, not just with the ones we love, we got to make room for the ones that wrong us and despitefully use us. And, and I mean, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us to love even our enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. And so. Rather than going around and picking out, well, this person must not be saved, and that person must... It doesn't matter. They don't have to work all that out with fear and trembling themselves. We're supposed to love those who are called by the name of Christ. Period. Yes? But didn't the Scripture say something about when you love your enemies and you pour it on ashes on their head? Yes. Like yes. I mean, literally. It feels like I like that. It feels like it. I mean... I think I don't think he was. I don't think that should be our motivation. <laughs> I'm gonna love you so bad. They're gonna sit you on fire. I'm way better. I'm way better than him. I must be of it. Yeah. It's, not only is it hard. Yeah. I'm going to go on on a limb and say it's impossible. Without Christ, that is impossible. You, it says, without me, you can do nothing. You. Without Christ, that is. And if you listen, here's the thing. The further we get, that's why it says you got to abide in the vine. The further you get from abiding in Him. Depending on Him, leaning on Him, walking in fellowship with Him, the more and more you're going to see the ugliness inside of you. I don't like that person. I don't. Want to, I can't keep this command. I, you're just going to keep going backwards and backwards and backwards until you until you come to realize that you can do nothing outside of Him. You have to abide in the vine, and by abiding, He's saying, "If you love me, then you'll you'll keep my commandments." He says, "This is how you abide in my love." I think did we read that already? Verse 
12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is the description of love. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Okay, and in verse 15, 16, it says, he's saying, you're not servants anymore. You're, you're friends because you know what I'm doing. You know what I've told you. And then 17 again says, these things I command you that you love one another. The verse I was looking for is verse 10. If you go back, it says, if you can keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. This thing about loving the brethren and this thing about abiding in His love, it's not just a good idea. It's absolutely necessary. And you can see it. You can see it when... I told him this morning that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference and neglect. Just don't think anything about them at all. That's the opposite of love. And so when used to use this in the fellowship context, to use this in the body of Christ context, when, when a person calls themselves a member of a local congregation, and, and that doesn't have, I'm not talking about church membership or all that, I'm just talking about investing yourself into a body of people. Investing yourself, whether your church is 10 people or whether it's 500 people. Uh, you attend that local fellowship where, where the believers gather to worship God, to encourage and build up one another, to love one another, and to be a witness to a lost and dying world. It, when you invest yourself in that, um, man, I lost my train of thought. When you, when you invest yourself in that, what you're doing is you're loving the things that Christ loved. And when you neglect that, when you... When you uh, People, there's people in the early service. Most of y'all probably didn't see them because all y'all was looking at me. And people are coming in, you know, as after you start preaching and stuff. There's people that slip in after service starts and slip out before service is gone. Have they fellowship with the assembly of believers? Have they loved anyone? Have they encouraged anyone? Have they done anything? Have they? I mean, have they fulfilled any command that Jesus said to love one another? No. But I guarantee you, if you ask them, are you a member of so and so church? Oh yeah. All it is, slip in, slip out. Yeah. Then they can go home and be like, "Okay, I did that." That's right. That is not obeying the command to love one another. It's not obeying the command, and the command is a continuous. It's called a continuous present, a durative present. It, it, present tense. It's, it means it's a continuing, habitual lifestyle. It's an ongoing process. It's going on and going on and going on. It's not just a hey, I love them, so whoop, I got that one done. Now let's move on to something else. This is the lifestyle of a believer. First John makes that abundantly clear in a bunch of different places. You are to love the brethren as a habitual lifestyle. It's not just, hey, if I pass a Christian on the road, you know, I'm going to love them and help them and, and good. Now nah, I got that checked off. No, this is a day in, day out. This is what I invest myself into is the body of believers. And you go to scripture after scripture. Jesus said, you know, the my children, you know, you, you, you fed them and watered them and, and visit them in prison and, and give them a drink and all those things. When you've done it to the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. That's what it said. Don't forget that little, we, you often think about going out into the world and feeding the homeless, but it says, and we're supposed to do that. I'm not saying that's not what we're supposed to do, but that text in Matthew 25 says, my brethren. 
says, when you've done this to the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. And then when you've not done it to the least of my brethren, you've not done it to me. Yes. So this actually goes more to my point that I was thinking of a minute ago, where it's easy to love or meet a need of someone that's real, uh, say, easy to like and yes. to the body. Yes. Um, and, and they're delightful to help and, and whatever. And it's more uh, a challenge uh, to, to reach out to someone who maybe, you know, maybe in the back, maybe... You know, maybe doesn't have a lot of friends. Maybe you know, what I'm saying it's bad not, attitude, or, or maybe has you know at one point or another said something off the cuff to you, or you know, yeah. And, and you don't really you like so you become indifferent towards that person. This is a, this is the least of these, my brother. Yes, uh, definitely. It's one that's. I agree with everything you're saying. I want to make room though for the fact that. You and I don't have perfect spiritual glasses, so we don't know who's a Christian, who ain't a Christian. You know, so we we if if we love who's who's here. So we do it as unto the Lord. Regardless. Do it as unto the Lord, regardless. Now there there'll come a time. The Bible does talk about breaking fellowship with people. There, there comes a time for that. There comes a time for that, and it's uh, usually, you know, like Jesus said, you know, if, if somebody if somebody sins, caught in a sin, then you go to them, and then you take somebody else with you, and then you bring it before the church, and then break fellowship. And then there's a part in Paul at the end of Thessalonians where he says, if any man doesn't obey, if any man calls himself a brother and doesn't obey the things written in this letter, you know him and have no company with him. You know, so there comes a time to break fellowship. I'm not saying just be a doormat for people. Well, you made a comment in first service where you said if someone is disrespectful or doesn't, you know, they want to fellowship with you, but they don't want to fellowship with your wife. I'm sorry, I'm not going to fellowship with them. How do you make that call? Um, well, I was using that in the context of Jesus's bride. You know, Jesus won't be happy with someone who neglected or abused his bride. Okay, that, that's what I'm getting at is how do you make that call into... I'll tell you, how, you make that call when you've done all you can do. And it usually comes to a point where love doesn't mean just, you know, you give somebody money for so long a time. It's not love anymore. It's right. enablement. It's enablement. You know, yeah. We had a girl in our youth group. This is probably five or six years ago. Uh, remember the little redheaded girl? She was just mean as a hornet, boy. I'm talking about mean, Jack. And I had these other girls, these uh, high school girls that were, it was about four or five of them. They were the little group, you know, they were always together. And they were my little helpers. You know, whenever a new girl would come, I would say, hey, there's a visitor over there. And these four or five girls would go over and they would say, hey, come hang out with us, you know. And they would just befriend people so they didn't feel like they were alone, like, you know, I don't know anybody. And so I, I went to these girls and I said, now, here's this, we didn't know she was mean as a hornet, but here's this new girl, you know, go and see if you can make friends with her, just let her feel comfortable so she has my hand. They were like, yeah, we'll do that. And they went over and they were, you know, they did their deal. They're like, come sit with us and hang out with us and all this kind of stuff. And she just spit on them. I mean, not literally, but I'm talking about every chance, just slow like y'all. I don't want to hang out with you. You know, and after, after, after a couple of weeks of that, I was like, well, you got to love them. You got to try. After a couple of weeks of that, they came to me, those girls, and they were like, I don't know what else we can do. This girl had ended up stealing stuff from them and was 
bad-mouthing them and belligerent and all. It's like, it's like Jason, I know that you want us to love, and dig them it, we have loved to the, <laughs> our capacity. And at, there was nothing I could tell them after they'd done all they could do. You know, just, you, you love them from afar. <laughs> love them from a distance, you know what I mean? So I'm not saying that the person that keeps hurting, the person that keeps hurting you, you have to be best friends with. Not saying that at all. He what? said it's not still love. It's still love. Love them from afar. Really? Really? Wow. Love them from the near. It's not working out. Well, what I mean, Doug, is... Let me help you out there. So what they did is they did not expose, because, I mean, she was verbally, physically, emotionally... Abusive. Abusive to them, no matter what they did. And they did not go and subject themselves to that. But as when she was around, they were not ugly to her either. They would speak to her and all of that. They still were themselves and they showed love without being abused. So without being be- they weren't best friends, but they were cordial. They did not retaliate. She walked by, they would still say good morning or whatever, but they did not make an extra effort. And the more effort that they made, the worse she become, actually. Yeah. And he's right. I mean she And what I'm saying when I say love from afar is I'm saying you love them with your heart. If they would just come to me and be halfway cordial, I would love all over them. But I'm not going to let them sledgehammer me in the face again. You know what I mean? I mean if they did something, they would ask her, you know, hey, where's going to be this? Like a youth camp or whatever. And I mean, when I come, and most times it was no, which was good for them. But they they did what was right, but we couldn't expose them to a youth camp. Right, right. And... They didn't respond, respond the same. To be honest, they responded a whole lot better than I would have. Because, especially us, I, I better not say that either. I was going to say, I don't know how, how it is to be a woman. I was going to say, especially us men, because we were, hey, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, my especially, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it's Caitlin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. All right, no. Um, we men are, 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 we're by nature more aggressive. You know, like if you slap me, I'm going to end up knocking you out. And if you, if you get one over on me, I'm going to get two on you. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I win no matter what. You know what I mean? It's going to be more points on my scoreboard than it is on your scoreboard. That's just the way, that's the way we are. Most of us anyway. And I was going to say we're just built that way, but I've, I've seen some, I've seen some women get that way too, so I don't know. But you know, I can remember being youth volleyball, and I was we'd get out there, and we were I think we were playing Zion Baptist Church. You were the worst. Yeah. Well, I would we'd get out there and pray, and I'd, we'd all be in a big huddle, both teams, and we'd be like, Lord, we're just here to have fun. Lord, help us just to love each other and fellowship with you, and just to learn how to be you know thankful. And just I would just do this big prayer. It doesn't matter who wins. We're just here to have fun. And then on the way back to the huddle, I'd be like, You forget everything I said. We're gonna win this game. You better win this game. 
and Randall Elrod would he had to serve. It was probably eighty miles an hour. So did you? <laughs> yeah, but I was I'd contain it. Though. No, you did not. It, it'd be like it'd be like it'd be like three. It'd be nine people on a team, and it would. Three of them out and they serve. Well, no, it'd be. <laughs> And it'd be like this 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 little eight year old girl in the corner, and he would nail her. I mean, every time, right to her, pow, 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 eighty mile an hour surf. They got so mad, we we quit volleyball. Huh? He asked to in a very nice way. After a while, it was bad. I was like, Randall, quit, man. I didn't spike no eight year old girl. Now you wait till they were twelve. Yes, he. No, I'm telling you, he would serve. He had one of them jumping, jumping overhand. Huh? Yeah, he was tall. He's tall. Yeah, he was I just remember being in their gym, and it was a co-ed team, and it had ladies and men, and this. No matter where they rotated, he would always serve right to that eight-year-old girl at 80 miles an hour. <laughs> I did. After a while, I was like, "Ran, come on now." I mean, all them guys over there, like, "I'm finna kick your butt." You know? <laughs> I don't know how we got on that, but do you understand? We're gonna pick up in verse 18 next week and we're going to do the rest of the chapter verses 1 through 17 is all about how uh, it's all about how believers love each other and how we view the world and how the power we get to love each other it comes through the vine and abiding in him and then in verse 18 on it's going to talk about how the world sees us that the world's going to hate us and the world's going to be after us and how we're to respond and how we're to do that but what i want you specifically to take away last week in sunday school we did the vine and the branch and we talked about the abiding in christ and this week i wanted you to see as we did these last few verses in this section that the whole the whole point of this discourse and from chapter 15 is about love. It's about loving one another. He says, if you abide in my love, if you keep my commandments, you are my friend if you keep my commandments. This is my commandment that you love one another. This is my commandment that you love one another. He says, he says those things twice. And so he kind of frames the whole discussion about loving one another. And we know from just our discussion today that the power to love one another, it's not going to come from us. It's going to come from abiding in the vine. Come from being in Christ. Is there any questions before we go? I don't know. Like there's not a whole lot of like response from them. I mean, no. And there was a lot that they did misunderstand. There was, I mean, even when he told them plainly, I'm going to Jerusalem to die, it says they didn't understand what he was talking about. So, um, I don't know if there was, I don't know if they truly got what he was saying or not. I'm sure they understood the command to love one another, but what all that command inferred, I don't know if they got. But in the next chapter, in 16, as he continues, I mean, like 13 through 17 is one big long deal, he's going to tell them, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come and He's going to remind you of all the things that I've said. He's going to He's going to teach you all things and He's going to show you. And so, once the Spirit came, uh, that was the defining factor that made them not just eleven scared guys. But now they were. They had power. Now they were the disciples and preachers and apostles of Christ. Yeah. 
I'm not sure. I'm sure they did, but most of the time the Bible depicts them as not fully understanding what's going on. You know, Jesus is always trying to explain and they're always misunderstanding. Especially in John. In John, everybody's misunderstanding. You know, the woman at the well misunderstands. The the guys that born blind, his parents and the Pharisees misunderstand. The guys, he's going to say, you tear this temple down and I'll build it. And they misunderstand. Because the Holy Spirit did not yet come. Uh, yeah, I think so. And the disciples, for sure. Good. Any more questions? We're going to go. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you so much for the joy that, that we get from just studying your word and from being in fellowship with you and fellowship with each other. Father, just forgive us for our sins and, and help, us to, uh, help us to love those that you love and to love them the way that you love them. Lord, I, 